Welcome to Matthew's World of Wine and Drink, an educational podcast helping wine students and wine enthusiasts alike to learn about all the wines of the world. I'm Matthew Gorn, and I'm a WCT certified educator, and in this podcast, I explore different wine regions and different grape varieties, and also interview producers from all around the world to explore the vast world of wine. Continuing the series on the Balkan states, in particular the former countries of the Yugoslav Republic, which became independent during the civil war in the 1990s, this episode focuses on Bosnia-Herzegovina. And this, in wine terms, is a small country, but still with winemaking tradition and some interesting wines coming from the country. Bosnia-Herzegovina is two different countries. Bosnia is to the north and further inland. The capital city of Sarajevo is based in Bosnia. And then towards the Adriatic Sea is Herzegovina, and the biggest city here is Mostar. And this is where most of the wine regions are located, near the sea and in between and between the coast and the mountains, and not too far from Croatia, where there's also wine made, as discussed in the previous episode. But Bosnia's history in general is less geared towards Western and Central Europe than Slovenia or Croatia. So in the previous episodes, I discussed how Slovenia is bordered by Italy and the Friuli region, and also Austria and the Styria region, and has lots in common with those two uh, countries, or those two areas of those countries and their winemaking um, history. And Croatia also has a connection with um, Northeast Italy too, as also, and also has connections with Hungary. It's really on the border between Western Europe and Central Europe. But Bosnia's history is much more uh, towards Central Europe and also influenced by the Ottoman Empire to the south from Turkey. And going back to the civil war of the 1990s when Yugoslavia fell apart, a lot of that was due to nationalism between the different countries within the former Yugoslavia, but it's also down to religion. And so Slovenia and Croatia are much more Christian, looking towards uh, Western Europe, uh, whereas Bosnia Herzegovina more Muslim. In fact, the population is about 51% Muslim and 46% Christian. So you can see in times of war, and in particularly bloody civil war, that that religious divide would come to the forefront. And so that just shows um, the divide within Bosnia and some of the political and cultural divisions within the country, but also that Bosnia Herzegovina does look towards Western and Central Europe, but also has had lots of influence from Asia and Southern Europe too. And so Bosnia Herzegovina was part of the Ottoman Empire from 1463 to 1878. It actually fell very easily to the Ottoman Empire, which then uh, pushed upwards into um, Hungary and other Central European countries to spread um, Islamic um, rule and governance. And a lot of these Balkan states, uh, with the exception of Slovenia, were governed at some point by the Ottoman Empire. Croatia became separate a little bit earlier, but for Bosnia and also for Greece as well, it wasn't until the late 19th century that Ottoman rule was overthrown. So in Bosnia-Herzegovina, it became part of the Austro-Hungarian Empire in 1878, and it was actually annexed by Austro-Hungary in 1908 to become a de facto part of the country. And then in 1918, after the First World War, when the Austro-Hungarian Empire collapsed, Bosnia-Herzegovina became part of Yugoslavia. 
and so Yugoslavia lasted from 1918 until the very early 1990s, and Bosnia-Herzegovina declared its independence in 1992, and has been a federal republic since then, with the civil war lasting between 1992 and 1995. Within the Federation of Bosnia and Herzegovina, which is made up of these two um, semi-countries, if you like, there's also Republika Sperska and a district called Briško. And each of these different entities within the country has its own constitutional, and therefore there is no central body overseeing the wine industry. So it's quite a fragmented industry, uh, as is common in the Balkan states. And also um, there is a grey market within the country, because there is no um, central body overseeing the industry. And we'll discuss that um, towards the end of the episode, exactly how Bosnia-Herzegovina, its wine industry, is developing. In terms of the country, there are just about 12 kilometers of Adriatic coastline. So I was looking at a map of Bosnia-Herzegovina to prepare for this episode. And the wine region around Mostar is pretty much level with Tuscany and Marche in Italy, geographically, but divided by the Adriatic Sea. And so quite different from Slovenia, which borders um, Friuli and Austria, and Croatia, which is quite close in the Istria region to Friuli as well, Bosnia-Herzegovina is quite separate. But to, in terms of um, latitude, that gives you an idea of exactly where the wine region lies. But coastline, and again, looking at the map, you just see how Croatia kind of slivers southwards alongside the border with Bosnia-Herzegovina. And then there is just this little break, which is uh, part of Herzegovina, which is the Adriatic coastline just mentioned. And then it becomes Croatia again. And in Croatian terms, this is where Dubrovnik is located. And Mostar is just inland from Dubrovnik. And so most of the wine regions of the country are located just here, not too far from the Adriatic. So there's definitely a Mediterranean influence. And then further inland, there are uh, the high central mountains. And so the wine regions are located between the sea and those mountains in fairly low-lying areas. So altitude is not particularly important, but it's not but the wine regions are not directly next to the sea either. So quite an unusual geographical location. Within the capital of Sarajevo, there is one vineyard which is planted um, to the north of the city centre, and that was planted in 2008. Uh, that is pretty much an anomaly. It was planted to prove that wine could be made in Sarajevo, but for the most part, it is in Herzegovina, which is the smaller of the two countries of Bosnia and Herzegovina, to the south as mentioned, um, and with the Mediterranean climate. The vineyard area of Bosnia-Herzegovina is about 3,500 hectares, that's what it's estimated at in 2013, and there are 46 commercial wineries which own about 1,320 hectares. So a disparity between the vineyard area planted and less than half of that owned by commercial wineries. And that's because there are 11,000 small households or farms who are making wine for themselves, for home consumption, or simply selling wine on the grey market. And so in discussing Slovenia and Croatia, I mentioned there's a lot of fragmented vineyard holdings, a lot of small farms, and this happens in Italy and other Mediterranean countries as well. But because the history of winemaking, commercial winemaking in these countries, especially a small country like Bosnia-Herzegovina, is fairly recent, those commercial wineries don't really have the same power that they might do in other areas um, in the Balkan states, in Croatia, Slovenia, and certainly in Italy. And then the civil war uh, between 1992 and 1995, as you can imagine, caused a lot of damage to viticulture. 
And so um, production has not reached the same levels before the war, although it still would have been before the Civil War. Uh, very fragmented, small holdings, and not a huge industrial or commercial enterprise. But those small holdings, home wine, or just for small farms, very difficult for them to re-establish themselves and focus on winemaking after the Civil War. And this has led to a lot of grey market, not just home consumption, but selling wine, not through ordinary channels, which is selling wine where possible, which could be direct to wholesalers or to wine shops and restaurants without any real control over it, remembering that Bosnia-Herzegovina does not have a central wine body. As for wine production, within Herzegovina, 90% of the vineyards are there in that part of the country, across 10 municipalities. And the largest city, Mostar, is about a two and a half hour train journey from Sarajevo, which is supposed to be extremely beautiful. And this has over a thousand hectares of vineyards. Within this region, and all these, the wine, all the vineyards are located around the city of Mostar, not necessarily within it. Uh, plantings are 55% white, and that's predominantly the local grape variety called Zeklavka, which makes good quality, if not high quality, white wine, which, has, which is quite aromatic, full-bodied, but maintains its high acidity. This variety, Zeklavka, uh, dates back at least 600 years. It's been recorded under the Bosnian king called Cveko. Um, it is indigenous, and it is mostly found around Mostar. It can be blended with other local grape varieties called Kreshkia and Bena in the Zrakavka Mostar um, style of wine. But these are um, relatively neutral minor grape varieties in the blend because they are planted in the vineyard rather than for any inherent qualities. Kreshkia and Bena are just minor blending partners. So much more important is uh, Zrakavka. And it can be full-bodied, it can be quite rich, it can be nutty, maintains the high acidity all of the time. It can also be made in an easy, off-dry, fruity style of wine. Usually there's no oak, although some producers do use new oak to produce a fuller, more age-worthy styles of wine. But because it has high acidity and also relatively low alcohol, it is also ideal for distillation. And so within Bosnia, there's a pretty rich tradition of distilled spirits, uh, particularly brandy which is of course made from grapes, and also a style of spirit called Ioza, which is the equivalent of Italian grappa, so made, of, made from the leftover matter or pomace from winemaking, so the skins, uh, the stems, any leftover juice, etc. And there's also a lot of flavoured spirits as well from fruits which are grown in Bosnia-Herzegovina. So it's certainly not a predominant wine culture. Grapes may be grown for um, distilled spirits and also other fruits for distillation as well. There's also another white grape variety called Smederevka, which is from Serbia, which we'll be discussing in the next episode. And this is a lower acid, lower alcohol, and also not a particularly flavorful um, grape variety and often used for blending too. So if we've got 55% of wine being white and Zilavka being the main grape variety, that is certainly most important and the one most likely to be found in any white wine from Bosnia-Herzegovina that you might find on the market. For the red wine, the black variety which dominates is Blatina, another indigenous grape variety, and unusual because it's female. And so that means it requires a cross-pollinator uh, within the vineyard, so it's usually interplanted with other grape varieties in order to produce um, new fruit and new, new vines, and blended with those varieties for practical reasons. So it is blended with a grape variety called Cambusha, which is Alicante Boucher, 
So a grape variety you may be familiar with from Portugal and from Spain. A grape variety which has naturally um, coloured juice, which is unusual for black grape varieties. And so it does produce deep coloured wines. And that is a feature of Bosnian red wine. They're often quite deep coloured. And Blatina is also interplanted and blended with Trignac, which is from Croatia just across the border. And also from Merlot. We also find some Cabernet Sauvignon and also Vranac, which I think produces some pretty interesting wines. But first of all, Blatina, just to expand on the fact that it's a female variety and that it's indigenous, probably to Mostar, produces medium-bodied, quite aromatic, flavorful wines that maintains its acidity in this relatively warm, or moderate to warm climate. And again, it produces deep color, especially when blended with Alicante Boucher, quite fruity and is sometimes aged in oak as well to give it a bit more structure and tannin and a bit more depth and complexity and ageability. Vranac, which is mainly found in Macedonia and also another country we'll be discussing in this series, that also has a deep colour, higher in alcohol, full-bodied, quite tannic and medium acidity. And those are the most interesting wines I've tried from Bosnia-Herzegovina um, because they just have a bit more structure and a bit more weight and have a really nice deep colour, but also a kind of ripe fruitiness to them as well. One producer I would recommend from Bosnia-Herzegovina is Berkic, and they're a producer that you can find in the US if you go to a, a good quality wine shop or one that specialises in Central European wines. And they do produce a Vrenac, again, which I recommend trying, and I think they produce a Blatina as well. So there aren't that many great varieties planted in Bosnia-Herzegovina. We do have international ones such as Merlot and Cabernet Sauvignon and Alicante Boucher as well. But the most important for their identity, even if in small quantities, is Zilavka for the whites, Platina for the reds, and then Vranac, which is a bit more of a pan-Balkan uh, grape variety, but still important here. There is another um, small wine region which is worth noting. Again, these wines are available in the US. Uh, the place is Trebinje. And there is a monastery nearby called Trevdos, and that's been producing wine since the 15th century. So that's one of the more historic producers, really going back to uh, pre-Ottoman days and um, really showcasing some of the history of Bosnia-Herzegovina and its wines. And that's at the south of the country, very near to the Macedonian border. So in terms of modern history, Bosnia-Herzegovina has applied to become a member of the EU, but has not been accepted yet. It's still on hold. The only two former Yugoslav countries part of the EU are Slovenia and Croatia. And that, of course, creates a much wider market for those wines. But Bosnia-Herzegovina is still waiting. There has been a new wine law created in 2014, and that has been enacted to deal with the problems of the fragmentation of land. Remember, there's 11,000 holders for just over 3,500 hectares of plantings. So these are very fragmented. And they're hoping to address the issue with grain market sales as well, actually regulating the sales of the wines from these small, not even producers, but small growers. So though Bosnia-Herzegovina has lots of history, some of it difficult, troubled 20th century for sure, but going before that as well, trying to re-establish itself or even just establish itself as a wine-producing country, there is some good wine being made in Bosnia-Herzegovina, not that much available internationally, but some of it is. So look for those indigenous grape varieties, the white wines from Zulavka and the red wines from Blatina and Vranac. And um, just look for the high acidity but full body of the white wines and the deep colour 
and really kind of ripe juiciness of the red wines and be prepared to be impressed even if the wines can be a little bit rustic but i think that's the fun of these old producing countries and it feels like you're drinking wine from the past not just from homogenous wines that we find from anywhere so that's been bosnia herzegovina this is matthew and this has been matthew's world of wine and drink